Um, I'm talking about approaches to prayer, week, I think, week three in our series on prayer. I have been praying quite hard this week, and I'm sure all of us have, actually. Um, so just some, if you Google um, humorous things about prayer, if you come up with things like this, Eugene, you've shared the same prayer request for 47 years. Now, either forget about it or buy yourself a pony. <laughs> and the next one. And, oh, great, here comes Bob. I told him I'd pray for him. Dear God, help Bob. Amen. Hey, Bob, been praying for you. And the next one. Teacher to a child. I want to thank you. Ever since you've been in my class, my prayer life has skyrocketed. <laughs> so maybe that's coronavirus for us, isn't it? Rocketing prayer lives. All right. So, yeah, just the next one is the... Um, yeah, so I'm talking about approaches to prayer. Good morning, everyone. Nice to see so many. I thought for one point I might be just preaching to Marilyn at the back on the, uh, or the, whoever he is and whoever they are. All right, but good. So it's been a tough week, hasn't it? I think it's been tough for me for three reasons. Firstly, because I know that prayer is such a vital part of our relationship with God and vital for us and our growth as a church. It's a powerful weapon, a powerful tool, and I wanted to bring something useful. So secondly... It's been a tough week because someone to whom we will not give any credit or glory knows how powerful it is and doesn't want us to get better at it. Um, do we want to grow as a church? Do we want to impact Herm Bay? Growing in prayer is key. Thirdly, obviously it's been tough because of all the headlines and what we're processing. The potential to be fearful rather than to pray. I've got two quotes. I don't think they come up. Um, Martin Luther, the 16th century theologian, said prayer is a strong wall and fortress of the church. It is a goodly, I like that word, it is a goodly Christian weapon. No one can believe how powerful prayer is and what it can effect, except those who have learnt it by experience. Whenever I have prayed earnestly, I have been heard and have obtained more than I prayed for. God sometimes delays, but he always comes. That's Martin Luther. More recently, Smith Wigglesworth, 20th century preacher, famous for his amazing healing ministry, was asked about his prayer life. Now, he's from Yorkshire, so bear with. I'm going to give it my best shot. They said, well, I think his friends were as well, so we're going to go with it. Smith Wigglesworth, you're a man of faith and miracles. You've raised people from the dead. You've cast out more demons than we've had at dinners. Tell us, how long do you pray every day? Well, the apostle replied, I don't ever pray any longer than 20 minutes. What? His questioners exclaimed. But after pausing for effect, Smith Wigglesworth continued, Yes, but I never go more than 20 minutes without praying. Okay, let's pray together. Father, we want to learn more about prayer. We want to be, we need to be better at praying. We know that prayer is vital for our lives and for the mission that you have called us to. Help us now. Help me to communicate something of your heart on this. And Holy Spirit, please fill us. We need to learn to pray better. Amen. Amen. All right, so there's loads of verses in the Bible on prayer. Um, but the verse that has kept coming back to me is James 5, verse 16. Anyone know it off by heart? It's probably going to come up any second now. Yeah, thank you very much. Uh, yeah, the one before that, that, that one there. No, that's fine. It's quite useful having you here. Good. Thank you very much. Um, so James 5, verse 16. 
The prayer of a righteous man or woman or child is powerful and effective. The prayer of a righteous man, woman or child is powerful and effective. James is a great book full of nuggets of of truth uh, centered on growing in maturity in our Christian walk. It might be one, a good one of those, like Steve suggested, that we might choose to listen to and listen to and read to and read and read again to really get it deep down in us. Um, but when you read a verse like that, it's always good to look at the context. So let's look at James 5, verse 13 to 18. Thank you, Paul. So the bit bef- just before this talks about patient perseverance, standing firm, and not grumbling against each other. And it then says this, is anyone among you in trouble? Let them pray. Is anyone happy? Let them sing songs of praise. Is anyone among you sick? Let them call the elders of the church to pray over them and anoint them with oil in the name of the Lord. And the prayer offered in faith will make the sick person well. The Lord will raise them up. If they have sinned, they will be forgiven. Part two, Therefore, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. The prayer of a righteous person is powerful and effective. Elijah was a human being, even as we are, and he prayed earnestly that it would not rain, and it did not rain on the land for three and a half years. Again he prayed, and the heavens gave rain, and the earth produced its crops. All right, so... You can see that the context of praying powerful and effective prayers is of keeping short accounts with God and with each other. Persevering, confessing, repenting of sin, being faith-filled, praying for each other, and not grumbling. And James goes straight on to give the example of Elijah, an ordinary man just like us. But he prayed some pretty powerful prayers. He, could, he prayed for the rain to stop, and it did. He prayed for it to start, and it did. Later on, he prayed for, maybe it was before, anyway, he prayed for fire to come down from heaven and burn up the sacrifice to prove to the followers of Baal that only God was God. I personally can't start a fire without matches. So that's powerful. Now in a group this size, we'll have everybody from people literally called to a ministry of intercession and praying, your average prayer warrior, someone who would say, I'm a bit of a beginner in this, and others um, who would say, do you know what, I'm not even a Christian, I'm just working out what I think about prayer. So the fact is, though, wherever we're at, God hears all our prayers. God hears us when we pray. But we can all go deeper and build our our prayer muscles, if you like. Uh, I don't know if I've got time for this, but I'm going to do it anyway. Um, Just maybe, you've heard of Ofsted. Some people have heard it with dread. Off what? Off qual. How about we do a quick mutual off prayer? Turn to the person next to you or nearby, whoever you can, two or three, and just in bullet points, very quickly, um, just talk about your prayer life, where you're at. Things that you, when you pray well, when you don't pray, etc. Just literally one minute, if that's all right. Thank you. Sorry.
swap over if you haven't. Thank you very much. So, we can, there'll be plenty, we can do more reflecting on that. It's important to reflect on where we're at and what's, um, what our prayer life is like. So, there are some things that can get in the way, that can stop us from praying as much as we could. Um, but if prayer is such a game changer, we need to recognize them. So, we might be thinking, well, God already knows what's going on. We might be thinking, I'm tired, I'm busy, or I'm distracted, in my case. Uh, you might be thinking, I'm not sure it makes any difference, to be honest. Or you might just have got discouraged because things didn't get sorted quickly. I tend to, um, a lot of us tend to pray in a crisis, but not regularly, as a habit. It's supposed to be a way of life for us. I used to not pray if I was angry with God, if he hadn't done something I thought he ought to have done. And then I realized, um, actually, you can tell him when you're angry. I'm really upset about this. I'm really up angry. Uh, sometimes I prefer to worry instead of praying. I think, you know, you catch yourself. You think, oh, for goodness sake, duh, pray. In response, the Bible says we should pray. And I'm not giving you all the verses. I've done a big bringing it together of phrases, we should pray in every situation, instead of being anxious, boldly, with thanksgiving, in Jesus' name, with confidence, with perseverance, in private, when we come together, in the spirit, humbly, patiently, when we need wisdom, when we're sick, in the face of temptation, with faith, all the time. And this verse, 2 Corinthians 10, verse 4, particularly relevant at the moment, but relevant all the time. The weapons we fight with are not the weapons of the world. On the contrary, they have divine power to demolish strongholds. Maybe fear is a stronghold. We demolish it in Jesus' name. We pray about it. Okay, how does God feel about his children? I don't know where we are. Yes, how does God feel about his children? If we think, if you think that God is distant or angry or reluctant or indifferent, it can be quite hard to pray with confidence. Psalm 139 said, He saw us as we were forming in our mother's womb. The first two cells, his eye was on you. He knows you. Um, when you think of Google monitoring our every move, that's nothing on God. He's got us, and he cares. I love it when I see a sparrow. It reminds me that I matter to God. Luke 12, 6 to 7. Are not two sparrows sold for two pennies, yet not one of them is forgotten by God? The very hairs of your head are all numbered. Don't be afraid. You are worth more than many sparrows. Okay. So we need to have in our minds that God is generous and kind, forgiving and gracious. He's holy and awesome, mighty and powerful, bigger than anything in all of history that we've ever faced in life. We are praying to the God who created the universe, 
who fills every part of the universe. He is all-powerful, all-knowing, holy, perfect, unchanging. He put the stars into place, created life, sustains life. God is currently holding every cell of your body together and giving you every breath that you breathe. And at the same time, he knows my name. He knows your name. He waits for us to approach him because that's free will, but he is there. Our prayers are heard because of our faith in his son, Jesus Christ. God is holy. And as sinners, as his rebellious creation, we should be vaporized, coming anywhere near him, approaching his throne. But because of Jesus, who came to earth, who lived a perfect life, died a sinner's death to pay for our wrongdoing, my wrongdoing, and was raised to life again, having overcome everything that separated us from God, we who have repented and put our faith in him can approach God with confidence. We belong to him. We are his. This next picture is of J.F. Kennedy, 1962, President of the United States, in the Oval Office, in the White House, with his children. You think of all the high-level meetings that have ever taken place in that room. didn't matter to his children. They were going in to see Dad. They could dance. They could hide under the desk. They could sit on his lap. That's us with God. We are welcome into the throne room of heaven. He's our dad. Um, I have to say that while we're his children and we are always welcome, as we grow up, we find that he has work for us to do. This is the mind-blowing bit. He wants us to partner with him in prayer and in action in the work he wants to do on earth. So, how do we pray? Um, some passages make it very clear that impressive words are not important. Some of us are not clever with words. Some of us get tongue-tied. It doesn't matter. God looks at your heart. But in response to the disciples' question about how to pray, Jesus gave them the Lord's Prayer that Mick mentioned a couple of weeks ago that we pray regularly. It shows all the important elements of our prayer life. If you take it, I don't know if I've done this in the right order, but if you take it, it contains prayer, confession of sins, forgiveness of others, thanksgiving, submission to God, requests for needs, our daily bread, prayer from, for protection from going astray, protection from evil, and gives glory to God. You might not get all of that into every prayer that you ever pray, but our prayer life should reflect all of those elements. It's good to use the Lord's Prayer as it is, but it's a great prayer to use as a scaffolding for our own prayers. So if, you're, if, you're, if you don't know how to start, you can start with just saying, Our Father, and then, Thank you, Lord, that you're my Father, that I'm your daughter, that you are the perfect Father, that you know me by name, that you see me. In heaven, thank you that you are higher and bigger than this world, that you are bigger than everything I face. Each line, turn it into a prayer. You should keep the original in front of you, because promise, I promise you, you lose, your track, you lose track of where you are. Keep it there. Okay, Steve heard of a thing recently where you can pray the Lord's Prayer while you wash your hands. It will get you through that the allotted amount of time. So you can wash them all thoroughly while you're praying. Okay. There are other examples of prayer in the Bible. There's, and I've taken the things that the disciples said to Jesus, because effectively that for us, that's prayer, isn't it? 
Do you remember when they were in the boat and it was very stormy and they thought they were going to drown? He was fast asleep at the front. And they were like, Teacher, don't you care if we drown? Maybe they said it calmly, but that's how I pray sometimes. Um, he was so in tune with his heavenly father that the storm didn't trouble his peace. Um, so we learn two things from this. Firstly, it's okay to say what you're thinking to God and feeling. And, but secondly, once we get close to him and get his perspective, everything changes and we can know his peace. Another prayer, heartbroken prayer. Uh, John 11:21. when Jesus was delayed coming to Bethany, even though Lazarus was sick. Lord, Martha said to Jesus, if you had been here, my brother wouldn't have died. Those where are you, where were you prayers. And when Jesus saw their grief, he wept. In our grief, we can pour out our hearts to the Lord, pour out our heartache. It's okay. And whether we get to understand the why of what is happening or not, this side of heaven, we can trust that he understands our sorrow, that he is with us, he knows we live in a broken world, and he can comfort and carry us. Okay, then a perfect example of many of my prayers, a wrong end of the stick prayer. Luke 9, verse 54. When the disciples James and John saw the Samaritans rejecting Jesus when he was going to go to their town, they were like, Lord, do you want us to call down fire from heaven to destroy them? Perhaps thinking they were inspired by the prophet Elijah. I don't know. We learn that we can speak to God or Jesus with our genius ideas. Zap them, Lord. But actually, we, you know, it's okay. We might just get gently rebuked and redirected to a more appropriate prayer or course of action. Okay, so final major section before we get into practical things. How do we pray? Uh, So, first thing we've established that we pray out of relationship. We don't just bring a shopping list. Secondly, we remember James 5. Powerful and effective prayers for our church, for our community, depend on the attitude of our hearts persevering, patience, faith-filled, not grumbling, confessing to sins, supporting each other. As a community, our prayers are more powerful if we can get that right. Thirdly, uh, we know, we can pray confidently if we know God's will, and we know God's will from his word. We know that he hears us and sees us and he cares. We know that he wants all men to be saved. We know that. We know He is committed to building his church. He is committed to building his church. He is building his church. We know he gives his spirit without limits. We know he wants to use us to reach others. We're part of his plan. We know he has limitless resources. And we know he wants to provide for our needs. We should also pray humbly. He's our heavenly father, but he is the God of heaven and earth. Holy, perfect, and his ways will not always be our ways. We can bring a situation to him and be confident of his care and his help, but we cannot prescribe the outcome. It's not our way or, you know, we submit to him. Father, we bring this situation to you, confident of your goodness and mercy. Help us. Right, listening. This is something I haven't really touched on. The pastor in America... um, Craig Groeschel, who wrote, God can do way more when we listen 
than when we talk to him. Prayer is communication with God. Communication is a two-way thing, mostly. I suggest if the other person in the conversation is the king of heaven, mighty in power, full of infinite wisdom, that we should definitely listen carefully to what he has to say about situations. It can take time to understand when the Lord is speaking to us. Probably it's a whole series in itself. Um, But if we look back to the book of Samuel, Samuel was a very significant prophet in in between the judges and the kings in the history of Israel. He kind of bridged the gap. He was the one that anointed Saul to be king and anointed David to be king. But as a very small child helping Eli in the temple, he didn't recognize God the first couple of times God called him. It's like, what is that? Who's talking to me? And it was Eli that helped him recognize the voice of God. Um, We all have to learn to get better at listening to God and we can help each other grow in that. I had an answer to prayer the other week. Um, I was really worried about a health situation. This is one of those where you haven't prayed for years necessarily, but you get a very quick answer, so I'm going to tell you to encourage you. It encouraged me. I was like, Lord, don't you care if I drown? You know, faith-filled, godly woman of whatever. Um, Yes. And so I just like, Lord, help me with this situation. What should I do? Should I, I don't know, should I do um, a Daniel fast to help me with my digestion or whatever? I literally went into the bathroom where Bob was brushing his teeth and he was listening to the Bible on audio and the verse that was playing as I walked in the door, the verse, that second that I heard as I walked in the door was, please test your servants for 10 days. Give us nothing but vegetables to eat and water to drink. Daniel 1, I was like, all right, I suppose that's an answer. (sighs) So I did it. And you know what? Transformational. Because I heard and I was desperate enough because I'm a bit stubborn, to obey, and I did it. There we go. All right, six, pray the Bible back to God. We can be confident of our prayers being in line with God's will if we pray his words back to him. Uh, I've really learned from a number of friends at our old church, um, Nigerians, Ghanaians, some Indians, and people here as well, who've really learned to pray the word of God back to him. Lord, your word says you will supply our needs. Your word says you will build the church and the gates of hell will not prevail. Uh, We sang it the other week. Um, You said, pray, and I will hear your land. You said it. We're praying. So it's always good to check the context of these verses and check our hearts, check where where we're at, you know, if we need to be humble or whatever, but we can confidently pray God's word back to him. Right, two situations when we don't know how to pray. The first one is, um, this is a quote from Martin Lloyd-Jones, 20th century one of Bob's favorite uh, theologian and preacher. I get told off for imitating his voice, so I'm not going to go there. Um, no. No, I'll be in so much trouble. Not worth it. Okay. No, no, I won't. You won't, hear, you won't hear the word. You'll only be listening to the accent. Guys. Okay, he said, if you don't know how to pray about your problem, remind yourself who he is. Don't believe the lies of the enemy that might make you sulk. That's probably me. Or fearful, probably also me. Worship, adore, praise, lift him up. Talk to him about something you do know. Him. You are mighty. You are powerful. You care for me. All right. Number oh, this is gonna fall. Number eight. Pray in the spirit. Again, when we don't know how to pray and words fail us, press into his presence. Let your spirit connect to his. Pray in the spirit. Pray in tongues. 
There's a whole series on the Holy Spirit coming up, so if that's a big question mark for you, hang on in there. Steve will answer all your questions <laughs> later on. All right, but Romans 8 verse 26 says, The Spirit helps us in our weakness. We don't know what we ought to pray for, but the Spirit himself intercedes through us, for us, through groans that words cannot express. Sometimes uh, we should also be sensitive to the Spirit. Sometimes you wake up and you think, I need to pray for so-and-so. Or you wake up and you think, I just need to pray. You don't know why. That could be the Holy Spirit. Go with it. Just intercede. Particularly at the moment, we should just be lifting everything up to God. Let the Spirit do his work. All right. We pray with Jesus' authority. We pray in Jesus' name. We are heard because of Jesus' work on the cross. We have no authority in situations ourselves. I can't heal anyone. I can't change anything. I can't achieve a miracle. But we represent him and his authority. Um, if you think about a policeman, he's just a man in a dark uniform with shiny buttons. Right? But he has the full force of the law behind him. And that gives him authority. That gives him um, the right to enforce the law. He has authority not because of who he is, but because of who and what he represents. So it is with us. We are ambassadors for Christ. We act on his authority and with his power. You remember the, the sons of, I can't pronounce it, Sceva? They were going around trying to do miracles and cast things out in the, in the New Testament. And the demons were like, we know who Jesus is. We know who Paul is. But who are you guys? They literally got beaten up and ran out without even any clothes. We don't go in our authority. We're with Jesus. Okay, fasting. Jesus fasted for 40 days at the start of his ministry as a way of preparing for the season he was about to enter into. Uh, there are times when, as a regular discipline, uh, and others in response to urgent and difficult situations, that we might fast as a church, as individuals. Um, I recently did that Daniel fast. Uh, Daniel, in the book of Daniel, was a powerful prayer and able to hear God speaking because he set himself apart from the normal life of the royal court where he had to live in exile. And he committed himself to praying several times a day. He built his prayer muscles. He spent time apart with God. He tuned his ear into what God was saying. So you might do a Daniel fast. Um, you might do a normal fast, which involves simply water, no food. You're saying to God, I need food. You've designed me to need food, but I need you more. I need your presence more. I need your help. I need your breakthrough. We're not twisting God's arm. We're coming before God and just putting ourselves in his presence, um, waiting on him. Uh, I did a thing on this a year ago. So if you want to go back and get more detail, it's about a year ago when we did our last month of prayer and the fasting, so if you want to find out more. There's also Steve's practical guidelines. You've probably all got one. There's one on your chair. There's some on the table. Different types of fasting. We are doing a fast next, on, on Friday, as a church. Anyone that wants to join in or is able to join in, if you can't fast from food, maybe fast from screens, or just commit to praying on that day. Um, uh, yes, March the 20th, so this coming Friday, ending, hopefully, in enough. So if you choose to do a classic fast on Friday, use your normal meal times to pray and feast on God's word instead of food. Drink plenty of water through 
and then break your fast at the end. That's enough. Practical tips, home straight. One, remember all the elements of the Lord's Prayer and use them all in your prayer life at different times. Make sure there's a balance between please can I have and thank you for being who you are and sorry when I got it wrong. Make sure there's a balance. Two, ask. Be specific about what you need, but don't worry about clever words. Father, we need breakthrough. Father, we need a new building. Father, I need some money this week for, for food. Right. I need to be able to find some loo roll. Help me. Um, three, a good prayer life won't happen by accident. So for regular personal prayer, set aside time. Set aside an, set an alarm on your phone, like Mick said. Um, uh, Whatever you do, pray on your commute. Pray while the kettle's boiling. For, be brutally honest about distractions. For me, I try not to even touch my mobile until I've prayed and read my Bible in the morning. doesn't always work. You might accidentally try and check the weather on your phone and boom, you've lost 20 minutes doing other random things. So watch out. Whenever you pray, watch out for distractions. Uh, make prayer meetings a priority. We cannot all get to all of them. We shouldn't judge each other. But we do need to pray. Collective prayer is important. Uh, persevere. We often give up too easily. Martin Lloyd-Jones said, prayer is a battle. Be aware that the victory is won. Hallelujah. But the enemy is a liar and a thief who wants to steal our confidence and silence our prayers. Uh, finally, this is again a whole talk in itself, probably a whole course. But if you, uh, children, if you aren't already, then teach your children to pray. Every opportunity you get. Memorizing verses, praying when they're worried. Um, our children will not learn to pray, or grandchildren, unless they see us praying and unless we include them in praying. All right. Um, if we all begin to pray more, alone, together, regularly, in bursts, for our town, our church, and our family, and our friends who don't know him. We're praying for healing, we're praying for salvation, we're praying for provision. In, two, in one, two, three years' time, who knows what we will see? Who knows what we will see? Psalm 18, I called to the Lord, and he answered me. Let us be able to look back in a few years as a community and say, we called to the Lord, and he answered us. Thank you. Thank you very much, Andrea.